Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you got your Bibles, uh, turn to the Gospel of John. We're doing a study of the Gospel of John, and I just don't think there's hardly any better way to learn about Jesus than just to go through the Gospels. Now, I want to tell you, we had church last Sunday. I mean, we had old-fashioned church. I was so tired when I got home, I took a two-hour nap, okay? Two-hour nap. I mean, I was, I woke up. I was still in the spirit. I took a swim. When I was swimming, I had Tasha Cobbs on the playlist. She was singing about an overflow. I almost drowned. I mean, I just want to tell you, don't worship and swim, okay? That ought to be a hashtag somewhere. So, uh, so listen, we're, we're studying, and there's life in God's Word. There's still life. There's still spiritual application for 2021 pandemic. You know, folks in a pandemic, uh, there's still spiritual life and instruction from God's Word when we, when we read it. So I think working through this is a great way to know about Jesus. Now today, I'm going to take two parts, okay? We're going to do God, uh, part of John 10 uh, with, the, with the, the Good Shepherd, and we're going to finish up with Lazarus this morning, 11. we got to get him out of that tomb this morning, all right? So just, just know that's where we're headed. I'm going to read... Out of John 10, in just a moment. Now, Jesus is always using symbols and illustrations as a way to communicate the gospel, okay? So, like in John 1, he used the illustration of light and darkness, okay? Light and darkness. John chapter 3, he used the illustration of a physical birth to explain born again or a new Birth. He used that as an illustration to us to kind of explain, uh, explain the Gospels. John chapter 4, he used water and thirst. Remember, he told the woman, if you drink from the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. So he's using these illustrations, these, these life situations to kind of explain what the Gospel is. So he's got another one for us this morning. He's going to use an illustration of the sheep and the shepherd and the thief as a way to kind of illustrate our walk, our relationship, you know, with, uh, uh, with, with God. So I'm going to start at John chapter 10, and I'm just going to read all the way through about 10 verses, and then we'll kind of work our way back through this, okay? <clears throat> John 10, he says, truly I tell you. Or he says, I'm about to tell you some truth, all right? You need to listen to this. I'm going I'm to tell you something you can base your life on. All right, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep Listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He's walking through our relationship with him through this illustration. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them 
And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you some more truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, or we hear this passage a lot, but it's, this is in relation to this illustration with sheep. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Okay, so let's talk. First of all, there are four kind of people here, and we want to identify them. We got the gatekeeper, we got the thief, we got the sheep, and we got the shepherd. Okay, so we're going to kind of work through that, looking looking at those four those four individuals. So he identifies himself as the gate or the gatekeeper. Okay, really, you know, really the gatekeeper, just representative of the the Father, the heavenly Father, and he says. You know, that there's, there's this intimacy there about, you know my voice. You know my voice. And you get to know someone's voice by memory. You know, so like, you don't see the person, but you hear a voice. And instantly, you know, you know who it is, okay? Uh, so that, that's, that's a, a sign of closeness and intimacy when you can just hear, hear a voice and, and you know that it's an individual you know, that you know. You know, or your phone rings and it's the individual reminding you that your extended warranty has expired. You know, immediately that's not a voice I know, okay? All right, so he, he says this gatekeeper, you know, this gatekeeper, the sheep know his voice and he knows their names, okay? The gatekeeper, the sheep know his voice and he knows their names. So there's a there's a sense of intimacy that he wants you to see here, okay? They know his voice, but he also knows, he also knows their names. When, when women are pregnant, you know, and, and the child is in utero, and that baby is constantly hearing the voice of the mom. And there's this bonding that's occurring, you know, that when, when that child hears that, that mother's voice or sing or pray. There is just a closeness, you know, that is develop, developing an intimacy that, that dads, we, we will never be able to replicate, okay? Especially because all they hear from us is where's the remote and are we going to get some pizza, okay? All right, so, so the, child, the child hears that voice. There's an intimate, there's an intimacy, there's an intimacy here. He said, my sheep, they know my voice, and he knows their names, okay? So he cares for you. He watches over you. He knows you. When you smile and there's joy in your heart, he, he recognizes that. When, there is, when you're heartbroken and there's tears, he recognizes that. 
is well. He knows, the sheep know his voice, and he knows their names, okay? Now, how can I know God's voice, okay? People ask that. How do I know that that's, that that's God's voice? Because there's, let me tell you, there's a lot of voices shouting in the world, okay? There's a lot of voices and, and opinions, but he said, my sheep, they, 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 know, they know my voice. And with all the voices that we have, how do you filter out the ones that are incorrect? And when it comes to God's voice, here's, here's the only thing I know to tell you. Here's what I've learned about knowing God's voice, okay? It is a very quiet, persistent voice, you know, that just kind of in the center of my heart, it doesn't shout, you know? When God speaks, I don't stop, you know. It's just this very quiet, persistent voice. That's why sometimes you need your prayer closet. Sometimes you need to be quiet in God's presence. Sometimes you just need to, to listen because there's a lot of voices that are loud, but I've just found that God's voice is a quiet, persistent voice. And I'm going to tell you, like, once you kind of hear that man latch, latch onto that voice, and that voice will always guide you. It will always steer you right. And I want to say, too, you can also hear that voice through God's Word, okay? When you're reading, that voice, that, inter, that, that internal voice will speak and guide and will illuminate, you know, illuminate God's Word as well. So, and at the end of the service, we're going to pray for people. You just, you need a direction. You need to know God's voice. So the so the gatekeeper, the sheep know his voice, but he knows there's names, so there's this closeness. And I want to say, too, the gatekeeper is the one who controls in, who controls who gets in and who gets out, okay? That's what the gatekeeper does, all right? He said that in, you know, I think it's uh, uh, verse 9, okay? Whoever enters through me will be saved. They come in and go out, and they, they find pastures, so he is the... He's the gatekeeper, okay? Now, let me just say, one day, everyone has an appointment with the gatekeeper, okay? Everybody's got an appointment with the, you know, with the gatekeeper. And you, you can fool everybody else sometimes, but you're not going to fool the gatekeeper because he knows you, okay? He, he knows you. He said, I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm not going to let anybody in that's not, you know, not, not part of me. You know, I was, uh, I may have shared this with you, but I was youth pastor in Birmingham, and I'd done my visits on a Friday. I'd been in the hospital uh, visiting, and I'm coming back from my visit, and I'm on the interstate, and I see the caravan for the University of Alabama football team. It was SEC championship weekend, okay, and they were headed to Legion Field, so I just felt like hey, if you've done God's work, it's at the end of the day, and you randomly stumble on to the Alabama caravan, you just need to follow that. I just jumped in line. I followed the buses. I go to Legion Field. It was like this great moment. Florida Gators were there. I walked up to the, the stadium, and they were practicing. The Gators were on the field. They were practicing, and I could see them through the tunnel. Here's Alabama getting off the bus, going through the gate where I'm at. This is like one of the greatest moments ever, okay? So I'm just standing there. I'm seeing all these people. Man, it's a big hyped weekend, and I'm standing there at the gate, with, the, with the, the, the employee, the gate employee, and maybe just one other guy, and somebody comes up to the gate and said, hey, I need to get in. I looked up, and it's Coach Steve Spurrier, okay? 
is Coach Spurrier. And he, and the, they, the, I was like, oh, my goodness, this, this is great. And the guy at the gate says, where's your pass? And Coach Spurrier said, I, I don't have it. I just came from the hotel, but I need to get in. He said, well, I'm going to need your pass. And Coach said, I don't have the pass. And there's a few other things that he said that I'm not going to relate. So it was very tense. So I'm just standing there. There's like four of us. So I go, hey, I promise this is Coach Spurrier, as though my voice would bring calm to this situation. And the guy, the guy, he must have been 24. He said, I don't care who you are. If you don't have the right pass, you're not getting in my gate. And Coach didn't. He was so mad they lost the game the next day. It was a wonderful weekend. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, I just want to tell you, doesn't matter how many benevolent deeds you've done, okay? Doesn't matter, you know, if you're a church member, okay? There's a gatekeeper, and there's a day that we all give an account for what we do. You know, when we, when, we, when we stand before God. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Okay, so the gatekeeper is there. Okay, and we all, we all have an appointment with him one day. One other person in this, in this scene is the thief. You have the gatekeeper. You have the thief. His only purpose is negative. He, it says... He only, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now this is, you know, counterbalanced by the intentions of the shepherd that we'll talk about in just a moment that is selfless, that cares, that nurtures, provides, and protects. But the thief is only there. Look at that verse. The thief comes only. There's, there, there's nothing beneficial with the relationship of a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He sees no value in the sheep at all. So when a, 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 those of you that, you know, your, your ranch or sheep herders, you know people, they, they come and they steal. And then they, they kill the sheep either for wool or for meat or they resell it. That's, that's the only purpose for their existence. The thief never has any good intentions for the sheep, only death and destruction, okay? Just keep that in mind, all right? There's never any benefit. There's never any good that can happen to you from hanging around with the, sheep, the, the thief. Now, let's look at the, the sheep. Sheep are prone to wonder oblivious to danger that is close by, okay? They're just doing their thing. They're just doing their thing. They don't have any idea that they are straying, you know, from, from the shepherd. And you'd just be surprised how many sheep, man, they're just living, they're living closer to the thief than they are to the shepherd, okay? They're just, they kind of wonder that's what, that's what sheep do and there's something else, as well, not only thieves that sheep have to look at, but wolves, okay? Menacing, terrible, you know, I mean, they, the wolf has no, no good intentions toward the sheep. His only, 
you know, his only thought is just the, you know, the death of the sheep. So sheep are oblivious. They're, they're pulled away sometimes, and we see that in our culture. We see the, the pulling away and, and sheep straying, and they're, they're, they're moving away from the shepherd. They're moving away from the, the flock, and a sheep is in danger. A, a sheep can, is in danger when, when, when he is away from the shepherd and the flock. So I just want to say proximity is good. Stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to the flock. All right? When people stray, when they're away from the shepherd, look, go back to this. When this sheep strays from the shepherd and the flock, they have no idea that the sheep could be in peril. They have no idea because that that sheep is strayed. It's the same way today. People try to see how far away sometimes they can stay from the the church or or the flock and they get themselves in trouble. And nobody knows. Nobody knows when there's spiritual peril in their life. There's no prayer. There's no support because they've, they've moved away from the shepherd and they've moved away from the flock. I'm going to tell you what I tell my kids, okay? All right? Like, if you live your life inside the boundaries of this book, it's going to be a life of blessing. It's going to be a life of God's going to honor you. It may not be a perfect life, but I'm just going to tell you, you're going to live life with God's favor and God's blessing on your life. If you choose to stray and go outside the bounds, okay, then you're kind of on your own. You know, there are bad things that happen. There are thieves and there are wolves all the way around, and sometimes the sheep are oblivious. The sheep are going, hey, I I can take care of myself. You know, I'll, I'll watch out for myself, but they are no match for the thief and the wolf that has no good intentions, you know, for them, all right? So I think that's where I think church community is really, really important, okay? Being connected with a church in a church family is very important. You need to stay close to the church and the shepherd. You need to stay close to the flock, all right? Well, listen, we've, we're in an era where a lot of people are online, and I mean, I understand that. There are health considerations, and I mean, I, I understand that. But I want to say, if you're online, you still need to be connected as much as you can as possible. You really need to get into a small group this time. You can just watch, and in your mind, I'm connected, but we had no idea. We have no, we have no idea. There's no you know, connection. There's little... There's little relationships. So I want to say if you're online, man, be connected as much as you can virtually. We would, we would love that, okay? Also, I want to say, man, if you've resumed your life in every way, like you go back to work, going back to school, maybe time to come back to church, okay? Maybe time to come back to, come back to church, all right? I'm just telling you to the sheep, there's a thief and a wolf out there that have no good intentions, that try to bring distance and separation from the shepherd and the flock, okay? And as much as we can, we need to be, you know, we need to be, we need to be close. And I want to tell you, sometimes, you know, sometimes community is a little difficult, all right, in church, especially if you just come on Sunday morning, you know, you know how everybody does, we screech in at 10.05, all right, 
And then as soon as the service is over, we're out. All right? And then we go, man, I don't, I'm not really meeting anybody. Okay? Well, how are we supposed to do that? All right? So that's where, like, serve teams and small groups and connect groups, that's where you meet people. Okay? That's where, that's where you can get some accountability and prayer, and you can provide accountability and prayer. So I want to just tell you, I want to tell you, the, the, the sheep, we need, to, we need to be close. We need to be connected. We need to stay together. You get out there on your own. Man, there's all kinds of problems out there on your own. All kinds of problems in, in the world. So there's the sheep. There's the thief. There's the gate, the gatekeeper. And then, and then in, this, and in this scene, there's the shepherd. Okay, the shepherd, which is Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. I love it. He repeats this twice. I am the good Shepherd, the good shepherd lays his life down for the, for the sheep. Okay, so he's, he's showing you the difference from the thief. The thief has no good intentions. The thief is only selfish. He wants to abuse that sheep, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I'm the, the good shepherd. And the first thing that he says about that is, I'm willing to lay my life down for the sheep. The thief is ready to take your life and to take from you, but the shepherd is ready to lay his life down for the sheep. He comes to counter the intentions of the thief with God's grace, blessings, and his favor on your life if you'll, if you'll, you know, if you'll uh, give your life over to him. All right? Listen. They, they use this term on TV a lot, you know, like a better life. I mean, I hear that term. You know, a lot, and especially it's associated with stuff you see, like they sell on TV. Okay, so like, if you get these vitamins, you can have a better life. Okay, if you get this mattress, that's that you can dial in the numbers. Boy, life is better for you when you sleep better. Or if you get Peloton. If you get Peloton, man, you'll have a better life. You'll be better looking. You'll be skinnier. Now, you may be broke when you get through with the Peloton, you know. Or, and I like this one. I, I, I rewound this the other day because this, this advertisement was if you had a colon cleanse, you're going to have a better life. Well, look, I, mean, I, I don't know what you're searching through out of your life, but a colon cleanse can't help me there, all right? All right? So everybody's kind of looking for this, this better life. And I just want to tell you something. You, you can look far and wide, but it's not a product that you buy that will give you a better life. It comes from the shepherd. He said the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But he said, I've come to give you life, to give you an abundant Life. I've come here to do something that's not just about your bank account or your job or the home that you live. It's much deeper than that. Man, that's a relationship with God. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter if you have money or not. That abundant life is well worth it. Okay? It doesn't matter the size of your house, what's in your 401k. I want to tell you something. There's a joy that comes from following this good shepherd that a bank account can't compensate for, that vacations can't compensate for. That is the fullness of life that only comes through the person of Jesus. First Peter 2, 
said he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. Then he says, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So he's connecting to you the work that he did on the cross. Salvation and forgiveness and mercy and a transformed life and a, and a new chapter written in your life. He's connecting that back to the cross of Jesus. But also he's using this imagery of the sheep coming home. So I want to tell you, if you're a sheep that strayed... Come home. The gate's well, the gate's open. You've done a lot of crazy things. Welcome to the club. Okay. You are you are in good company this morning. Okay. You don't have foolish things, things you're embarrassed of. Welcome to the club this morning. We've all been there. We've all done things, but we, we just asked the Lord for his forgiveness, and he exchanged that with giving us abundant life. The thief comes to kill and to steal. He said, I've come to give life and to give it abundantly, and I promise he'll do that. I promise you he'll do that. All right, that's the first part, John 10. All right, John 10. All right, we'll come back to that at the end. Let's do, let's do John 11, all right? All right, let's do, let's do John 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So you see this family mentioned a good bit in the scripture. This is kind of Jesus' safe place, his hangout place, okay? People that he was comfortable with. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Man, you can just be who you are when you're at their house. You can just go to their refrigerator. You can just lay on their couch, take your shoes off. Don't take your shoes off, but you know, it's just a... It's a safe place. This was a safe, kind of, kind of a safe place. And there were deep relationships that came from Mary and Martha and, and, and Lazarus. You know, because like Jesus, and you can see this in the scripture. Anytime he was out, he was on. You know, he, there was never kind of like private time for Jesus. Do you remember the story last week? He went to the temple to pray. He goes to the temple early one morning just to pray. And people started showing up. And he just said, so he starts teaching them, all right, because he's like, he's, he's always on. You ever feel like that? I'm just always on. Man, when my feet hit the floor, man, I'm, I'm on. Well, he had, he had this place that he could just kind of go and, and, and relax, and he, he became close to this, this family, and very, very close. And you got Mary and Martha, and then you have Lazarus, okay? Now, in the story, Lazarus is sick. He's very, very sick, okay? Now, back then, like when you got sick, there weren't medical options. There weren't really medical options. The lifespan of, of back then was like 35 to 40 years of age. So when you got sick, there wasn't necessarily a medical option. People just died, okay? So Lazarus, I mean, he's really sick. Not like some of you, you know, when you say I'm sick and you want everybody to take the week off for you and, you know, got to have this. I mean, this guy, this guy's really, he's really sick, all right? Look at verse 2. This Mary, 
whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So John stops in the story, okay, because he wants you to see a couple of things, that this is Mary, okay, the one that has this great worship experience with the Lord. So he, he does this in parentheses. He makes a little, he makes a little footnote here just so that, that we'll, you know, that we'll kind of, you know, like this is not essential to the story, but I do want you to know this fact. So in all the miracles that John saw, this, this experience with Mary and Jesus you know, and, and her worship that we'll see later, man, it, it really stood out to him. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back, let's go back to Judea. So a couple of things here. When he, when he, when he heard that he was sick, he says, this sickness will not end in death. I want to remind you something, okay? Jesus always knows how things are going to end. He always knows, okay? They're all nervous and worried and upset, but he always knows the end. This sickness will not end in death, okay? All right? And listen, there will always be a victorious end, even if we don't know about it or see it, okay? So he always knows how things are going to end, but then also, ultimately, there's going to be a victorious end to whatever you and I may face. That is His promise, okay? So when things are happening that we don't always see, there's a promise that is work at work in our life 24-7 when there's things going on in our life. All things work together for the good of them who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So there are issues that are occurring in our life. You know, Lazarus is sick, but there's a promise. You know, the Lord knows the end. It's going to be a victorious end. And while we see that, God's working his purpose through the entire time. So there's always, listen to me, there's usually a bigger picture at what God wants to do in my life than what I always see, okay? They're looking at a guy that's just sick, okay? All right? But there's a bigger picture at what the Lord wants to do. So I want to remind you of that. There's usually a bigger picture of what's going on in your life than what you see right now, what you're walking through, what you're going through. There's usually something bigger that God is bringing about or working on your behalf, okay? So I love this. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and Mary, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, 
Immediately, he dropped what he was doing and went to their home immediately. Is that it? It's not. It's almost got a little humor to it. Look at this passage. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. (laughs) I mean, wow. All right? You know, let's talk about God delays. God delays. I mean, you think like when someone's sick, the closer you are to them determines the response. All right? So if Becky's sick, I'm, I've left the office. I'm home. I'm, you know. I mean, the, the closer you are to them, it determines the response, okay? Somebody you don't know, you never met, hey, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. All right? So here, here, you know, they're expecting an immediate response, but he stays where he's at. He stays where he's at two more days, okay? Listen, Jesus' delay is not out of cruelty, but he has a different purpose than we can perceive or sometimes that we can understand, okay? So his delay was not cruel at all. He just knew what God was working, okay? How about God delays? Sometimes when you go, where's God? He's late here, okay? I told you, God's usually working a bigger picture than you and I ever understand. So to us, it's a God delay, but to Jesus, it, it's, it's right what he had in plan for Lazarus. It's hard to do a resurrection if the guy's not dead yet, all right? There are things that God wants to do. There are things that God is doing in your life And we think he's late. They even rebuke him when he shows up. Where were you? All right? So I want to say, don't be thrown off or don't be discouraged with a God delay, a perceived God delay on your part. God is up to something that's going to bring glory to God in in your life. So it's not always a God delay. Sometimes it is to us, but sometimes God's got a different plan that he doesn't always bring me in on, okay? God may use a season of adversity in my life as a witness to someone else. Put that up on the screen. God may use a season of adversity in my life as a witness to someone else. You good with that? Is that okay? Is that okay with you? That there might be something that God is doing that might not necessarily have anything to do about you. Is that you agree with that? Is that okay? This principle works in your life. All right. I know you're not going to shake your head. No. I know. All right. I'm just saying there there are things that we go through. Sometimes he said this sickness is not a death, but it's for ultimately God's greater glory that didn't really have to do with Lazarus' fever. There's something else that he's wanting to show and teach to a large number of people. Keep that up on the screen. 
God may use a season of adversity in my life as a witness to someone else. Is that okay? Is that okay? Would you go? Lord, I'm good with that. All right? Because sometimes that's his choice. Sometimes it's not about you where you're at. Sometimes there may be great stability in your life, but he wants to use you for a greater glory in somewhere else. Okay? All right? So keep, keep reading. All right? On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you what you, what you have asked. If you had been here, my brother had not died. Lord, you're too late. The situation's messed up already because of your delay. Jesus said, your brother will rise. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Can you put that passage up on the screen? All right. I am the resurrection and the life. Okay? I'm the resurrection and life. All right? And the one who believes in me is going to live. It's going to live you know, forever. I just want to say to you this morning, all right, death never ends in tragedy for the believer, okay? Death never ends in tragedy for the believer. When this heart stops beating, life does not end, but in many ways it just begins. I am the resurrection and the life. All right? Let me just remind you of something. If you had a way to communicate with your believers in heaven and you said, hey, you want to come back here for a week? You ought to see what cool things we got going on down here now. Hey, I'm just telling you. Might get your feelings hurt. They wouldn't want to come back. I don't blame them. I don't, I don't blame them. They're, they're walking in God's presence. They're walking in God's glory. They've received the ultimate fulfillment for the promise that he gave them. They're walking in eternal life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I just want to remind you, when this, when this body breathes its last breath, there is a glory that is unimaginable that you and I will walk into. And she said, I believe you're the Messiah who's to come into the world. But if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. She can't give this thing up, okay? All right? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came along with her also weeping, look at this, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And they bring him like to the the big tomb in the cave, and Jesus weeps. He cries. Like, not, not like a tear. This is like, like crying, like deep sorrow, okay? Why did Jesus cry? He's deeply moved at the loss of his friend. 
okay? Deeply moved at the loss of his friend. It shows he is not cold. He is not calloused. He is not heartless, okay? He feels loss, okay? And I want you to know that has never changed about him. When you go through sorrow, you don't have a Savior who is disconnected to human emotion at all. He knows exactly what you're going through, okay? He knows exactly what you're facing. You've been through a funeral situation that you've wept and you've felt loss. He's got it. He's been right there. He was grieved and angered by the impact of sin and death. He's seeing it kind of really maybe firsthand. He was there at the garden at this creation with Adam and Eve He was there in chapter 3 when that covenant was broken. He was there when the tablets came down that were helped to be the ladder back to God, those Ten Commandments. He was there at the altars when they brought the sheep and the lamb and the the shed blood that was supposed to kind of help and to, to kind of to kind of help everyone, the sacrificial lambs. He was there at the with the prophets when they called out to people to repentance. He was there firsthand as a witness to sin, sickness, brokenness, and death. He's seeing this firsthand. He's seeing the the impact of all of it right here, and it made him weep. It made him weep. Also, it's a reminder. He knows that he's a little more a week away from his own death. This, this all coming together, he's like one week or so away from his, from his own death. The, the purpose that he had been given is, is almost right here on him. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said, but Lord... Uh, By this time, there's a bad odor. He's been there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. They took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out of his hand, came out his hands and his feet with strips of lemon and a, a linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off grave clothes and let him go. Can I remind you this morning that Jesus can make dead things live at the power of his word. He can speak regenerative life to things in our our particular lives. He can do that. But also in this moment, worship team, you can come. He's giving us a little foretaste of what's to come, that we are not subject to death, that that was done away with at the cross, and that one day there is a great day of of, of rapture and and, uh, resurrection that comes in our life. 
1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself will come down with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain after him will be caught up together. There we will be with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, let me tell you about a mystery. He says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. We shall be changed. I'm the resurrection and the life. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to tell you. Jesus can bring life to dead things, okay? And I want to tell you, those of you, we've suffered loss. we got people in glory. We don't want anybody to die. They would never die, okay? But if they had a chance, they wouldn't come back to this place. Every said, I don't want to bring them back to this place. Why do I want to bring them back and they got to wear a mask? tell you there's ultimate victory one day there are things that we walk through that we don't understand okay there's sometimes that there's loss that we don't understand but I'm just telling you ultimately there's victory for the believer ultimately one day we all stand before the king of glory I promise you that I promise you that I promise you that a couple of months ago I got a I get a call Sir, I just need your prayer. You know, I just need some, <clears throat> I need you to pray for me. And just talking to this guy, he just said, I'm beat up. I'm worn out and I'm beat up. You know? I just talked to him. I just talked to him about his walk with God. And see, this guy's kind of made this theological belief that he's going to live out over here try to make it the best he can. So I'm just I'm just beat up. I'm, I'm worn out. You know, that's what some people do. Okay? They they leave that they leave that pasture. They just go, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live my life over here." And I'm just telling you, man, that's a hard life over there. Out with the thief, out with the wolf. All right? And I want to tell you, you can always come home. You can always come home. Prodigals can always come home. They can always come home. I'm going to give you that invitation this morning. You can come home. But normally when prodigals come back home, their life is filled with scars and regret, things they wish they hadn't done. You can always come back. I'm telling you. That's what that whole, the shepherd, the sheep coming back, you can always come back. But it's usually after a lot of scars and a lot of regret, all right? So I'm just saying to you, you don't have to live your life that way, okay? All beat up, bruised, limping around. What's God's purpose? I feel like I've been beat up by life. I'm just telling you. And there's purpose. There's purpose in that pasture there. Come Give your life over to Jesus. He said, I'm the, you know, I'm the good shepherd and I lay my life 
down. And I'm just telling you, in that pasture, man, there is protection. There is provision. Man, people are praying for you. It's not that your life won't be absolutely perfect, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, man, come back to the pasture today. Sheep are wondering. They're straying in the presence of the thief, the presence of the wolf. I'm just saying, come back to the shepherd today. Come back to the shepherd. You don't have to live your life beat up in a way. And let me just say something too. You don't have to come back with shame. Nobody here throws a stone. Nobody here is going to issue a judgment. We're just glad you came back. Because we bear our own scars as well. For making some of those same, making some of those same choices. Okay? We bear, we bear our own scars. Amen. Would you, would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I pray. I pray over this congregation. I pray over these people today. Lord, I pray for those who may be away. They've strayed. They've kind of walked from you. Lord, there have been wounds. And Lord, today, man, there's just this spiritual exhaustion. I'm just tired of fighting. I'm ready to come back home. I'm tired. I'm ready to come back home with the shepherd and the pasture and the flock that cares. Lord, I pray. I pray over those today. They're weak and they're worn out and they're weary. Lord, they're tired of their life. They're tired of the fruit of their own choices. Lord, today's a day of surrender. Today's a day to come back. Today's a day to come back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And is that you this morning? Is that you online? Is that you kind of strayed, been on your own, done your own thing? Today's your day. The shepherd says, come back. The gatekeeper says, come back. It's wide open. Just come back. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.